right, so today what I really, what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about for, for this morning, um, I want to talk about what, what the, I felt like the Lord was talking to me about, heaven's exchange. Uh, the exchange that we have with heaven. Um, and this really came to me a long time ago um, from my, just hanging out with my nephew. I, I really learned a lot from my nephew. Um, my story is I gave my life back to the Lord in 2007. And when I came back to the Lord, I actually spent about three years raising my, uh, he was three years old at the time, three-year-old nephew, until he was about six before I went to ministry school. And uh, man, he's just the coolest kid I've ever known. But we would just, I would learn about the Holy Spirit with him. He would learn about the Holy Spirit through me. And we would just talk and hang out and have fun. Um, just as two, seriously, he ended up being my best friend. I'm going to cry. But just as friends hanging out together, we learned so much. And I learned so much about the nature of God. And um, even just like the supernatural nature of his mercy and, and his heart. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, like I said, heaven's exchange. Um, so basically, when I say heaven's exchange, what I'm talking about is there's things that we're holding on to, right? Maybe we don't know it. Maybe, maybe we, we see it. Maybe we do know exactly what it is. But when we actually kind of give something to the Lord, what's really cool is that he's guaranteed, again, like if we say I have a doubt, right? I really don't know if I hear your voice, but I give that doubt to the Lord, and then he actually gives me a prophetic word. That's, that's the exchange rate of heaven, I've given him that doubt saying, you know what, Chuck's really, he, he believes that I can hear him. Uh, so, you know, here, God, I'm going to give you this little, this small little doubt here. And next thing you know, you're prophesying, prophesying, like for real, like in the Bible, prophesying. That's cool. That's a, that's a cool exchange rate. If I can just take a little bit of doubt, give it to God, and he gives me a prophetic word. That, that's awesome. I've seen it happen so many times where uh, I remember just kind of stuttering through prophetic words at times, and I land like a word of knowledge. If you're not familiar with the word of knowledge, it's when I know something about you that I couldn't have known because I didn't know you at all previously. The first time I ever came to, uh, almost said Morningstar where I went to school, the first time I ever came to the Dallas House of Prayer, uh, Tracy Eckert threw me in the children's ministry. It was perfect. That's where I'm still at. My wife and I, Sasha. Uh, and if, seriously, if you guys are interested in, in helping kids, I would appreciate it as her husband uh, for you guys to come to that meeting tonight or today after church. But um, it was really cool because Ashley Shuck was the director over the children's ministry at the time. And she was like, Chuck, you know, you're, you're great at prophecy. I want you to, to teach the kids how to prophesy. And I thought, what's the best way for me to teach these kids how to prophesy? Um, and the Lord's like, by example prophesy to them. And you're like, but they're kids, Lord. Like, how, what do you prophesy to a kid? Well, um, you know, uh, Zia, I, Zia's like a six-year-old girl in the class. I felt like God said you were going to be an apostle. <laughs> <laughs> and that you would raise a church one day and possibly raise the dead. I mean, like, no, like, that's not something a six-year-old, like, apostle. So uh, what was funny is I was actually looking, Kat Blom, who led worship today, uh, I prophesied to every single kid in the class. And when I came to Kat and uh, York's son, Ethan, I just looked at Ethan, and I was like, Ethan, you know, I just, and this is the same thing. I basically said, Ethan, God says you're an apostle, except what I did was I spoke on Ethan's level, and I said, Ethan, you're going to build things, right? Apostles build the kingdom, don't they? They, they structure, they build on, Paul said, you know, if you're going to build on this foundation, right, 
Literally, that's what apostles do. They build it up. So I was like, Ethan, you're going to build things. I just feel like God's made you so creative that uh, you, could, you could build entire cities if you wanted to. Actually, I really feel like you love Legos. Ethan was a little bit smaller back then, and he looks at me and he's like, I got Legos in my pocket. <laughs> that messed me up. I was like, all right, cool. Like, I believe this stuff. Like, this is real. I'd already gone through, like, two years of ministry school, but I'm like, this, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I've seen enough. You don't have to convince me anymore, Lord. So that was cool. And not, and not every, I hated Legos when I was a kid. So anyways. Uh, so the, the divine exchange of heaven, um, I really, oh gosh, I can't, I can't over, um, honor this man. There's a man in, in Lexington, Kentucky named Dr. David Jeffries. Um, I don't expect anyone to know him, uh, other than that he's a hidden prophet that, that has ministered to that city for so long. And, in my opinion, been a Samuel or been just the man of God, uh, to go to. And I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, I said, Lord, um, that's what I want. I, I don't want to be him. I want to be the man of God. Like, I want to be that person um, that everyone goes to because they, he, he has the word. What is it? And um, I just remember his eyes, they messed me up. He gave me the first word of knowledge I ever heard. And I remember going home. <laughs> Seriously, guys, I was like... I was not living a righteous lifestyle. <laughs> and I was going back to my best friend who had recently gave his life back to the Lord too. And I was like, it's like, yes, Jesus in his back pocket. It was like, <laughs> it was really crazy. So um, he read my mail. Like he, he knew, he knew stuff. The one thing that I was afraid to tell him, um, he asked me. Uh, and he was like, you know, I felt like the Lord said, what about this? Um, and I was just like, I don't want to do it. So... It was really good. I got set free. So he, I remember I was sitting in one of his meetings on a Thursday night, um, and he said, Jesus never came. This, he was just, you know, preaching about whatever, but he was like, Jesus never came to take anything away from man. He only ever came to give man something better. And that hit me on such a deep level because I had still come. I was, I was a new believer, a uh, newer believer. I, I had given my life to the Lord when I was seven, but I was running really hard. And half the reason I was running because I didn't understand this. I kind of always felt like, and if you, if you ever contact someone in the world, this is kind of their thought process. It's like, you know, if, G if Jesus is going to take away my toys, like my, one of my good friends at my old job, it was like we would talk a lot, and he was like always on this precipice of giving his life to the Lord. Um, and he was like, man, when I grew up, I always just felt like Jesus was going to take away my toys. Like he was just going to take away the things that I liked. And I mean, honestly, how many of us grew up with that kind of theology? That Jesus, want, Jesus wants everything you have. You got to give him it all, like today. And it's like, yeah, like it's not inaccurate, right? But it's very different. For, like the, the, the motivation of the Lord's heart and even the tone of his voice and the, 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 the feeling of his spirit is very different than the way we like heard that message growing up, right? So Jesus never came to take anything away from man. Come on. He didn't, he doesn't want to take your cigarettes away. He wants to get you addicted on something better. 
That messed me up because I was a pothead. I was an alcoholic. You know, I was addicted to pornography. I was messed up. And to know he didn't come to take that stuff away from me. He wasn't like scared that I was going to like love cigarettes more than I love him. He was just like, Chuck, you have no idea how much more life there is in me. And man, I tell you what, I've been a God addict for almost seven years. I had a guy last night at Best Buy come up to me and he goes, Chuck, how come you smell like marijuana? He's like, dude, why do you smell like that? And I've been messing with him for weeks and I said, it's the glory. And he doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's like, he goes, I like, it's the glory, man. And he just thinks he's like, man, I got to get some of that. Where can I find some of that glory yet? But I, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm on probation. I can't get it. And I'm like, good, man. You don't need it. You're like, you can go to heaven. So I told him, I was like, dude, I don't tell everybody this, but it's the glory. It's literally heaven manifesting on me. And every time you're around, the Lord's trying to get you in. He's speaking to you through what you know. And he's trying to get you from being an addict on that to coming over here and being an addict on this. And guess what? It's free. I don't have to pay for it. There ain't no hangover. Every single day, I get to hang out in heaven and drink of his goodness. How cool is that? That's the divine exchange rate, right? So, whoo. So, uh, when, it, when he said that, I mean, it didn't take much for me. I really think, like, guys, when, when, we're, when we're really, like, when we're listening to him, the Lord, if somebody says something, like, uh, how, how many of you guys, how many of you guys have seen, there's a movie called Rob Roy. It's got some graphic scenes in it, okay? So I'm not saying, like, hey, go watch this movie. But there's a line in this movie where Rob Roy, he, like, is kind of the, uh, what's the right word? He, he's kind of the face of honor in this movie. Um, he, I, there's a line where he tell, teaches his children, his sons, about honor. And he says, he says he, don't worry about the getting of honor. It grows inside of you. It's a small voice, is what he said. <laughs> and he said, which is really cool. It's kind of romantic in me. He said, women are the heart of honor. And that just killed me. But anyways, <laughs> first time I saw it, I was single. Uh, <laughs> so, and then... Um, he goes on to say he's being accused in the movie. He's being accused of basically robbing this, um, this Duke guy. Um, and while he's being accused, he's, he basically is being bold in front of this Duke. And he's like, look, you're accusing me, but I'm smart. He's basically saying, I have enough honor to know when a man's telling the truth or when a man's telling a lie. And that's really the truth. Like when you hear the truth, you know it. Most of the time, right? You can pretty much discern it. We should be able to. And... There's something, the first time I heard Dr. Jeffrey say this, it's not like I had a lot of uh, theology and background and doctrine to go on. Like, Jesus never came to take anything away from me. He just wants to give me something better. But as soon as he th said it, I thought about the old covenant. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, he kind of, they, they couldn't handle it. But he took, he took that away, and he gave us something new, right? He gave us something better. He gave us grace. He gave us a new covenant, right? Where I don't have to, to live by that, that list of regulations, but I can live and be saved through faith in him and his life and his sacrifice, what he did for me, something I could have never done on my own. That, that's the gospel. That's something that I would have loved for somebody to come and tell me on the street. So, 
I mean, I, you could go down. You could, I mean, I guarantee you right now you guys could think of a hundred things. You know, in the word, you, you know, you have a, an old man. Again, it's kind of resemblance of the law. And then there's a new man, right? Christ in us. Like we had an old man, but we were born again, right? Raised up with him in newness of life. That's cool. Everyone, if you have your Bibles, and I'm not going to say you should or should not. If you have your iPhones or your cell phone Bible, turn to Isaiah 61. Now, everyone, we know this verse, but uh, these verses, but this is, this is kind of what I want to talk about. This is the heavenly exchange here. Chapter 61, verse 3. And of course, this is, we all know Jesus um, prophesied this uh, in, in the temple, uh, kind of as he was coming on his public day of appearance. And he said, you know, the, the Spirit of the Lord God is on me and, and all that good stuff. But uh, in verse 3, he says, the spirit, basically, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a heavenly exchange, right? A garland or beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, uh, a mantle of praise, which Kat was rocking hardcore this morning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting or heaviness. So I just think those are some of the things that when we, when we talk about the divine exchange, the heavenly exchange. There's, there's things this morning, guys, that I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's just going to come, and it's, we're going to get to just cash in. Um, this morning, I, had, I was frustrated, and I was like, Jesus, you died for that. Like, you literally took nails for my frustration. I'm going to give that to you right now, because it doesn't belong to me anymore. And I, I gave him that frustration, and I felt so much better, because anyways, it's just the heavenly exchange. Now I'm, I have a microphone in my hand. How'd that happen? So anyways, so this looks like, it, my question to myself is, what does this look like in our lives? But it looks like what I just said. It, it looks really simple. It, it doesn't have to be all abstract all the time. It can be a very simple moment where you walk yourself through an inward prayer. Okay. Um, it can be something where you know like, that you have to let go of something that you don't really want to let go of. That it could be a good thing. Right? It doesn't have to be a bad thing like, you know, addiction. But it, it could be a good thing. But the thing is, if the Lord's ever asking you to let go of something, he's just, he's got something so much better, um, you know, prepared for you. So, um, <laughs> back to my nephew. Uh, this is what I call the perspective of a six-year-old. And uh, basically, my parents got him... Um, they got him a, a really cool bike. Um, and my, my nephew, he, he was different. Um, he was skateboarding at three and, and riding bikes without training wheels at, at three years old. I mean, he was definitely a little dare angel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> dare angel. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, <have> you, <laughs> I used to do that. Uh, I, told, I used to mess with my mom and tell her I wanted dreadlocks, but I'd call them joy locks if she let me do it. <laughs> anyway, I didn't do it. Or I did do it, but then I shaved my head because it was awful. <laughs> it did not bring me joy. <laughs> um, it was really bad, guys. Just, you know, anyways, not, if you have dreadlocks, I'm sure yours were better than mine were. Um, joy, or joy, Hosanna, joy, don't do it. 
<laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so the perspective of a six-year-old. So my parents got him a, a bike, this really, really cool, like silver, uh, chromed out. I mean, if it was us, it would have been like a caddy on 22s. You know, but for him, it, it, you know, it was the best thing he'd ever seen. The only problem was my dad got it without him there and it was too big. So, I mean, you're a six year old, he's riding it. And every time he pedals, he's like, <laughs> it was awful. So I'm like, Keegan, and I'd always tell him, and he, he, sometimes, man, he'd do some hard stuff like, like this moment. And I was like, Keegan, and this is a six year old again. The Lord's not afraid to teach six-year-olds truth that adults should have had when they were six. Um, or deserved, I should say. Like, we all deserve to have that kind of truth at an early age. Um, but uh, I was like, Keegan, um, I know you like this bike. And it, I mean, he was crying. And I just loved him so much. I'm like, I know, I know you love this bike, and I know it's a cool bike. I can't lie. Like, this bike is awesome. Um, but remember when I told you uh, about how the Lord asked me to let go of, you know, I can't remember what it was I told him, but how he asked me to let go of this, and he gave me this, and it was so much better. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, Keegan, I know that if, if the Lord is asking you to let go of this bike, He's going to give you something so much better than you could have ever imagined. And literally, as soon, and he's, okay. You know, as soon as he kind of comes to terms with it, he's mad. He really didn't want to do it. But as soon as he kind of comes to terms with it, you know, my dad, he goes off and takes the bike back. Like the next week, my dad comes back with this like blazing, like burnt orange, copper, Tony Hawk trick bike that fits Keegan perfectly. And if you know six-year-olds, they love Tony Hawk. <laughs> seriously, like, I love him, he's cool, but seriously, like this kid, he went from like, it was like, oh my gosh, it says Tony Hawk! Like it was a Tony Hawk bike, and I mean, that was, that'd be like somebody, I don't know what that would be like for me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> a new house or something for me, it would be crazy. So I was just like going through the list of needs. Jesus, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so yes, it would be like, so it was, it was really awesome. And it was really awesome also to see like Keegan, actually just about a week ago, I'm talking to him that, about that again. So what it did was it built a testimony in a six-year-old's life that I can always remind him about. Anytime later on in life, maybe when he's met this girl or, or something that he doesn't want to let go of, but it, it's just not fitting quite right. I can say, hey, Keegan, I know she's beautiful, but uh, come on, man. Like, you remember that time? He might be like, come on, Unc. That was a bike. But I'd be like, come on. But he, he was faithful, and he brought you something better, something, something that was beyond your expectation, beyond your imagination, something you maybe didn't even know it existed. That's the kind of God we have. He's got something so much better in store for us, often than we can ever imagine, right? He says he, more than we can ask or th even think Right? Okay. So my perspective was, I, I already kind of went into it, but I went from this apathetic um, kind of college dropout to, um, I wrote, awake and enlisted in his army. Because I, I really was, guys. I was asleep. I was playing video games every day. Uh, I was too hungover to go to school. But um, I, I got 
basically hit by a whirlwind um, in 2001-ish, no, 2007, I said, I'm sorry. And, and next thing I know, it was like the scales were pulled back and I actually saw for the first time like the, the hour that we were in and the need and, and what God was doing, how he was raising up an army. It's like that Isaiah 6, like, like who is it, God, send me, that kind of moment. Um, and that's what I went. I went from being apathetic to enlisted. And it was, it's been awesome ever since. I went from being drunk on sin to drunk on his love. And I went, this is a funny one. I went from being lonely to a lion. <laughs> that was, I felt like the Holy Spirit is funny. So everyone turn to Genesis 22, 1 and 2. He's funny, right? He thinks I'm cute. Do you know that? He thinks I'm cute. Uh... I remember one time I was really, we, we were in chapel once when I was in ministry school. I love you, Tyler. You, that, you man, you set me on fire. You, um, you make me want to run harder after Jesus. But uh, I was in chapel once, and we, just, we had three questions to ask God. Like, God, what do you, what do you think about me? Um, what do you say to me? And what's something that you love about the way I look? And he told me that he loved my laugh, and that his favorite thing to do with me was to laugh with me, and, and that he thought I was cute. Isn't that cool? It was embarrassing. I'm a grown-up, guys. God thinks you're cute. Get over yourself. Can I tell you guys a fun story? Just kind of sidetracked off of that. Uh, is anybody YouTube addicted like I am? I mean, I am bad addicted to YouTube. Okay, I learn a lot, though. It's great. Back in the back, I see you. Um, so what's so cool is I'm watching YouTube and you know the, the little commercials will come on and you're like, gosh, just get to the video. I don't want to watch the commercial. Um, but anyways, this one commercial came on and it grabbed me instantly. It was really, it was really amazing. Um, it was a forensic sketch artist. The Dove commercial. Have you guys seen this? It's a Dove commercial. It's crazy. It's the Holy Spirit. Like, it is ministering to millions of YouTubers all over the world. In this video, it's a forensic sketch artist, and what he's doing, or what Dove had him do, was he would sit down with a, a veil or a screen on one side, and he would never, obviously he's a forensic sketch artist, so he draws people without seeing their face, and he would have, say it was me, he'd have me sit on the other side, and I would describe myself to him. I'd be like, well, I have a red beard, um, you know, my, my whatever. I just describe myself, and every single time what ended up happening they would walk out the room and he would never see them. And then the next person would, and another person who would kind of see them just for a brief moment in the waiting room would come in and then that next person would be behind the thing again and they would describe the first person. Make sense? So they would describe what they saw in the person that walked out. And when that person described them, when you would compare one photo to the other, the first person when they described themselves often looked fat and ugly, unhappy. Um, dejected, n no hope. And, but then when the other person who described what they saw, the person looked completely different. They looked beautiful. They looked alive. This is a Dove commercial on YouTube. Isn't that so crazy that this man who's never seen them, he's a ghost, he's invisible to the other person. I mean, come on. So anyways, you're cute. <laughs> so Genesis 22, 1 and 2, right? We all know where I'm going with this. There were some interesting things, though, uh, while I was rereading this um, that I, I kind of want to point out. 
that I think is pretty important as we're kind of going through this process because obviously everything is, it's, it is a process. It's not like, you know, you, you just wake up and it's like necessarily easy to get, give stuff away. Sometimes like, you know, we've had things for so long or things have been put on us that we didn't even ask for or whatever, that they've been really ingrained kind of in our psyche and, and all that kind of thing. And it, it, it is a process that the Lord has us on getting free of all that stuff, right? So, um, this is something I noticed in, in Genesis 22, uh, I guess one, 1 through 2. So, now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Tested, I thought, was, uh, was I underlined that. Um, and I don't think, like, it, later on, it's, it's really good because it says that, that the fear of the Lord was in Abraham. And, but it's, it's just, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but it's interesting because it was kind of just like, like, Abraham, this is a really important promise. And I just want to know that, like, you're going you're gonna to do what it takes. Um, so he tested Abraham, and Abraham said to him, uh, here I am. And he said, take now your son. You can, like, take son and kind of put the word promise there instead, right? So take now your son, your only son. And I, I know that this is another sidetrack. Isn't this really cool that, like, Abraham got to kind of walk through what the father was going to walk through like thousands of years before it ever happened. What if the Lord, when it says test Abraham, what if it was really like the Lord just said, I want to find someone that's willing to go through it with me. That's interesting to me. So he said to him, take now your son, your only son, um, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Uh, and offer him there, there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Moriah is, is what stood out to me in that point. Go down to the land of Moriah. So I really feel like Moriah, like what happens is we often, we end up in this land of bitterness because Moriah means bitterness, right? So as we're, we're, we're taking our promise, we're going through this process and it's like you get the promise, right? You get the promise and you're psyched about it and you should be because it really, it takes faith, number one, just to receive the promise. And it's like, that's, that's the fun part. That's the easy part. But then as you're kind of going through and walking out life with God, you, you kind of are walking through and you get to this land of bitterness where it's like, well, the promise isn't happening the way I thought, or it's not coming about the way I imagined it, or this, this, that, and the other. Um, but what's interesting is I really feel like that, like right now that the Lord's going to deliver promises out of the land of Moriah. Like here today, and, and not just today, but throughout the next weeks to come, and, and obviously for the rest of our lives, just out of bitterness, and we're going to really, really get uh, the promise that the Lord has asked for us. So, um, you know, I think I've been dealing with that, and I didn't even know it. You know, that there was stuff going on there, and I was kind of sitting on some promises and things, and I, I didn't even realize that it was kind of becoming, in a small way, bitterness. So... So, um, so then the next verse that really stood out to me, it's kind of a little bit ways. So we know what happens, right? Abraham takes Isaac up to the, to the, uh, to the mountain. Um, and Isaac is like, dad, Hey, you know, uh, where's, where's the offering at? Like, where's the lamb? Uh, and Abraham, I mean, could you only imagine here's, you know, it's the same thing Papa felt when Jesus was walking up to the cross, but his only son, his only, the one promise that meant more to him than anything, um, the Lord is asking him to let go of it. And make no mistake, he let go of it. 
This wasn't like, oh, he didn't have to let go of it, so he got to keep his promise. Like, the Lord seriously saw that Abraham officially let go of it and was like, okay, he's good. Don't, don't let him do it, right? That's what happened. He really, why, why is it important? Number one, because he's going to give you something better than you ever thought you could have. And because Abraham couldn't have held on and accomplished the promise without God having it and, and walking him through it. By, you know, right? Because we can't do it on our own. So that, that's why that's important. But in verse 12, he said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad. This is the, the, the Lord. Actually, it's an angel of the Lord. Do not stretch out your hand and do nothing to him for now. For I know now that you fear, fear God uh, since you have withheld, uh, you have not withheld your promise. You have not withheld your son from me. Um, and I really feel like that today, like the Lord, I feel like I want to, what I want to do is I just want to go there with the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And what I'm not saying, and, and every time, if we ever do this, you, what you'll hear from me is you'll never hear me tell you to like dig deep into your past and find something and dig it up. You're never going to hear me say, I want you to go dig up your old nature and, and repent for that again. You're not, you're not called to do that as Christians. You've already repented for that. That's why you were baptized. That's why that thing's dead. Okay? But we're being sanctified, right, fully unto him. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come today. Today. Let's do some work. Right? Who felt that spirit of repentance come in during worship? It's coming right now. I, I feel it right now. That, that was powerful. I mean, that was so, so powerful. And there's really, guys, I'm addicted to deliverance. I'm addicted to repentance. Like every time, you know why, what's so weird about getting set free from things? It's like an operating table, okay? When you squirm on that operating table and the surgeon has got the knife down, it ends up hurting more than it's supposed to. So when we're going through things and when the Lord is, say, removing like uh, an abscess or, or whatever, things that don't need to be there, uh, often the process is extended because we're trying to squirm out of it. And it hurts even worse and we end up in the land of bitterness even longer than we should have been. Okay? So, like, I've, I've noticed the more I just let him, I let go and, and give him my doubt, I let him come, I've become seriously addicted to him coming. Because every single time I've had to get f more free of something, what I've noticed is I have an encounter with the Holy Spirit to a greater degree than I ever had before in that moment. I've literally had moments where I was getting so set free that I was laughing and crying at the same time. God, this hurts, but oh my gosh, you're so close. <laughs> Seriously, I, I can tell you the, the honest truth, and I'm not, this isn't from a, a perspective of um, seniority, or I don't know what the right way to say it is, but I know that there's a, a level of relationship with the Holy Spirit that I have because, only because, I've allowed him to come to that level of intimacy, right? Uh, I love my wife more because she's seen me through my mess. Does it make sense? It's really cool, right? It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. I'm actually in a greater degree of love with him because he's walked me through my mess. That type of bravery, that type of authenticity is what I really feel like the Lord's going to do today. 